when I uh, went to Bible college, I went to Bible college just across the river here. It was called Mennonite Brother Bible College back then in the 80s. Uh, now it's where MBCI is. There's a old building there. That college has moved to CMU now with uh, Combined Mickey University. But when I attended the Mennonite Brother Bible College, it wasn't, it wasn't a huge school, but there, I made some good friends there. Um, and there was a, a couple people that would have been more, I guess, acquaintances. Uh, one gentleman I'm thinking about as, I, as we look at this uh, topic today, uh, he became a friend. Uh, and I, I remember a few times in classes where he would often question what was being taught. Often question, which is okay to question things, but he would, he would question the Bible itself. He would start to look at the Bible and say, well, yeah, I know it says that, but can we really trust what the Bible says? And, and he would become kind of an antagonistic towards Scripture. I went to seminary after that. He went to a different seminary after that. He became a pastor in Edmonton, and I, I became a pastor in British Columbia. I heard that a few years later, a few years later that um, he had left his wife and family. He had totally denounced his faith. I totally denounced the Bible and God, and was, I'm not sure how living after that. It really broke my heart. And every time I hear of someone leaving the faith, someone who has maybe grown up in the church, or someone who has been part of it, it really hurts my heart. Probably more than anything else that I do as a pastor, when someone walks out the door and never comes back, I always wonder where they are. I always wonder what's gone on in their life, and I really hope they still love the Lord, if in fact they did from the beginning at all. It's, it's a, a sad time for any... This morning, John writes to the, this group of people, and we've been looking at First John, and it's, it's, he's been kind of building up to, to the, this point, and he's trying to get them to be confident in the fact that if they have certain things that are showing up in their life, that they can say, yes, I'm a believer. So if they are the kind who are confessing their sins, if they are the kind where you see love in your life, where you see maybe not a love for the world, those are signs that you are a believer. But there are those who will walk away. Peter says, above all you must understand, in the last days. Now last days meaning from Jesus on. In the last days there will be scoffers scoffing and following their own evil desires, and they will say, where is this coming? You Christians always talk about the second coming. You say Jesus is coming back. Where is it? And they will say, well, ever since our ancestors died, the world just keeps going the way it always has. And they mock us. They mock us. The verses right before the ones we're going to look at from John 2.15, Jesus said, or sorry, John said, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in that. Now the world we looked at was, and we're not talking about the physical world, which I can love, I can enjoy nature, I can enjoy the world around me. I can enjoy the people of the world. We're supposed to love the people, but it's the system that God does not want us to love. The system that pursues the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those are the things that are from the world, not from God, that are in this world, that this world is consumed with. And so John is saying, we're not supposed to be that way. And 
Behind that whole system is a spirit, a spirit of things. Let's look at the passage for today. Dear children, and John is writing to believers, he calls them, calls them children. This is the last hour. As you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. I remember first maybe understanding the term Antichrist and whatever, you know, 666 and all those things. The first time I probably heard about that was a movie called A Thief in the Night. Anyone remember that movie, A Thief in the Night, back in the 70s, 80s? Probably 70s. I mean, it freaked me out. It was scary. It was like one of these movies, like end-time movies, and, you know, I just remember as a kid watching it, I was terrified. Um, it was about the book of Revelation, how the end would come. So the Antichrist is always one of those terms that right away makes us uneasy, doesn't it? It really does. And so John is writing them saying, there is someone coming, and you have heard, we have told you about this, there is a person coming one day, a, a king, a, a world a ruler, a leader. But even now, even now as we live, and as John's uh, audience lived, there is a spirit of anti-Christ, against Christ. The word anti, we, we use anti a lot in our, our world too, right? You know, anti, whatever, there's all kinds of uses for it. Simply means to be against or to replace. So not just necessarily just against Christ, but to replace Christ. And we see that in our world today. A lot of people want to replace what Jesus is all about. Even sometimes and often in the so-called Christian community of the world. They replace the Christ who is the one who gave his life for us, the cross, Christ. Maybe for a social, social, pardon me, social Christ, or some kind of goodwill Christ, or, or not a, maybe not a human Christ, or, you know, somehow different than what the Bible teaches us. And so there are many who come along and will be anti-Christ. And we know that. We see that. I see it in my school every day. They teach the worldview as if there was no God, no Christ, no forgiveness, no need for it. This person, we'll talk about the person first. This being, this person, this future world leader is given several names throughout Scripture. Back in the book of Daniel, uh, Daniel has a vision, a dream, and he sees him as the little horn who comes in, uh, one day describing a worldwide kind of a government, I guess, ten kings. From that will come one, a little horn who will rule, who will be worse than all the rest. He is called in Dan Daniel again, and Jesus quotes this, he's called the abomination of desolation. And he will do something one day. It talks about him coming into the temple, which is probably the rebuilt temple of Jerusalem. And he will go in there, and he will do something that's undescribable. He will stand there, and he will... Maybe that's enough. And he will... Um, he will declare himself to be God. And he will say to the world, anything you ascribe as God, anything you view as God, any religion is now done. And he will say, now you must worship me. So he, that would be the abomination of desolation. Paul describes him in Thessalonians as the man of lawlessness. 
Now, that doesn't mean he's speeding over 70 miles an hour every time he drives or he, you know, he's stealing a candy bar. Not that kind of lawlessness. He's just the epitome of everything against God. Anything that's good, he is against. Anything of God's law, he's against. And he will try to change the world to be against God in God's, God's ways. He's also in Revelation called the beast out of the sea. And it says there that he is directly empowered by Satan himself, the dragon. And that's where we get the, the term 666. One day he'll require the world to take a mark, either on the forehead or hand, right? Now, back in the 80s, when I was 70s, when I was watching that movie, I thought, well, how could you have a mark where they can keep track of you? How could they do that? We know now how that's possible one day. Now, I'm not alarmist. I'm not going to say this is happening. But you can see where our world is heading. You can see how they want to be globalized so that there really are no borders. Right? Let's get rid of the nations. This is all being one big happy family, which sounds great. But it sets up for this. Our technology sets up for this down the road. I'm not saying this could happen now. I'm never going to say that. But it makes you think, hmm, interesting. And so that's, that's the man of laws, and that's the Antichrist. Jesus himself even said this beyond just that one person. He said there will be false Christs and false prophets will go and they will... They will show signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. If there's a sign and wonder, it doesn't necessarily mean it's from God. I mean, our world is filled with signs and wonders today. We have to be careful. What's the message that comes with that? If there is a miracle, what comes with it? The miracle itself doesn't mean a thing. Because Satan himself can deceive. He can do false signs and wonders. So we have to be very careful. He says, I've told you all this beforehand. So here's the, uh, again, just uh, another verse, a couple verses on this, this gentleman who's coming. Paul writes, and they see the Thessalonian church was concerned. They thought they had missed the rapture. They thought they were, Jesus had come, they had missed it. They were concerned it had happened. And so Paul said to them, don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until something happens. A few things have to happen before, before the Lord returns. Something called the rebellion. That means there's going to be a mass amount of people just saying, I want nothing to do with God. This Bible thing. I want nothing to do with that. And again, you can see it's starting to happen. Every generation is getting a little bit worse, isn't it? You know, maybe you went to church, everyone went to church. doesn't mean everyone was a Christian, but people at least respected God, respected Christ. But there's going to be a time when there's going to be a we want nothing to do with the Bible or God. A thought rebellion occurs and that sets up for the man of lawlessness and he's revealed. He is the man doomed to destruction. He will not last. He's given a short reign. A little over three and a half years. But it's going to be bad. It's going to be horrible. And he will oppose and here's this is what he's about, all about. He will oppose and he will exalt himself over everything that is called God or worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple. And that's that abomination we talked about. He will say, I'm God. I'm God. And make the world worship. And if you don't, you won't be able to buy or sell unless you take his mark. It'll be tough. Now, I don't want to scare everybody, okay? 
got to be careful because, I mean, we belong to the Lord, but this is the future. This is the future, and it's not here yet. So then back to 1 John. Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist has come, even now many Antichrists have come. So it's not just that there's one person. There's a whole spirit of Antichrist against God kind of attitude in the world. In chapter 4, John writes, But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and is indeed already here. There is in our world, from the, very, from the moment Jesus left, even during Jesus' life, an anti-God, anti-Christ spirit. It's led by Satan, of course. He hates Christ. He knows he's doomed. And he wants to take us down as, much, as many as he can. There's a spirit in our world that is against Christ. We know that. We know that. You feel it every day as a Christian when you go to work, when you go to school. People don't want to hear about forgiveness, about Christ, about, about what he's done for us. In, in my school, I hear this every day. I mean, I've told you this before, and you hear it all around, too. I mean, Jesus' Jesus's name is probably used more than most names in the school. <laughs> but it's not in a way that is honoring him. It's a curse word. It's a swear word. And I can, honestly, I can take the, the F words and all those other words that are, I can, I can handle all that. I mean, I find them kind of just disgusting, but that doesn't make me cringe. When I hear a student, and, and for their sake, I, I feel bad for them. When I hear them say, Jesus Christ, in a way that's kind of like an expression of disgust or whatever, frustration, my heart's like, oh, you have no idea what you're doing. And I, I try to sometimes say something. I'll say, you know, you shouldn't say that. You realize what you're, what you're doing. You're using the Lord's name. That's serious. I mean, God is very jealous for his name. It's one of the commandments. He said, do not use the Lord's, Lord's name in vain. He is very jealous for his name. Even the term, oh my God. It's become so normalized, OMG, whatever, on texting. But we're taking God's name, which is sacred, which is holy, which is his name, and we're saying, no big deal. Interesting that no other, real, no other name in the world is used like this, right? I mean, no one says, oh, Buddha, or oh, Muhammad. They don't do that. It always comes to Jesus Christ, God, something holy. You know, holy is used a lot, too, with swear words. Holiness. Describes God, describes us as the church who is made pure. These words are sacred to God. So it's in the world today. We see it all around us. Then John says, this is how we know is the last hour. They went out from us. I shared about my friends before. The saddest thing we have to deal with is when people leave. They never really had that, maybe in their heart, that faith that was real. They maybe came to the church. Maybe they grew up in the church. They went to Sunday school. And when they became old enough, they thought, I want nothing. I, I don't want this anymore. <clears throat> they went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged, they would have remained. I think John is trying to say to you, as, to us as believers, those who persevere, those who remain, those who endure to the end, 
are those who truly believe. I know most of you have gone through some very difficult things in life. Maybe a loss of, of, of someone, maybe very important. Maybe financial ruin. Maybe just really difficult things. And you still love the Lord. That's a huge, huge thing. That means your faith is real. You haven't abandoned him. Remember the, the parable of the seeds and the soil? Remember the seeds that were planted and they got choked out by the words of life and they, they, they couldn't grow? The fact that you're still here, the fact that you are in a church building like this, and you are listening to God's word, tells me that you have something real inside of you. I truly believe the church is going to get smaller in the years to come. I think it's going to shrink down to the real believers who won't pretend anymore. Because nobody has to go to church anymore. Back years ago, I mean, our churches were filled with all kinds of people. And I, I truly hope they were all believers. I, I, I hope most were. But now that people don't really think they have to go to church, most don't. Very sad. A couple more slides. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. And such a person is also an antichrist. I mean, that kind of, that's a lot of people in our society. Most people are antichrist. They wouldn't see themselves that way, but they are. They deny that Jesus is the Christ. And denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. You cannot have a religious system that you say, yeah, they're going to get to God too, but they don't really believe in Jesus. They don't accept Jesus. You can't have that. Because God has established His way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. God has made His channel. God has made His path. It is a beautiful path. It is a forgiving path. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. The Son is the radiance of God's glory. Why is the Son so important? He is God. He is God shining down on, on us. He's, it's like he says, he reaches his arm out to the world. That's the Son coming down to us. Jesus, when he came down, was God in flesh. He is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. He sustains all things by his powerful word. I mean, that's God. Who else can do that? I can't. After he had provided purification for sins, which I can't do, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. No one else can do that. Right hand means right beside him. And again, he's one God, but he's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We don't understand that. But he, the Son is equal to the Father. I mean, he is God. And so this is the one we worship. This is the one we exalt. And as for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. Don't lose the hope you had. If it does, you will also remain the Son and the Father. And this is what He has promised us. This is, this is the reward He gives to us. Eternal life. That Zoe life we looked at in chapter 1. I write these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. And they are trying to lead us astray even today. They are. They don't realize it. They don't, probably don't realize what they're doing. But if they deny Jesus Christ as your Lord, your Savior, it may sound good, it may be very humanistically sounding awesome, it may promise health and emotional health and all those things, but if it doesn't have Christ in it, it's not 
of God. Last one. The Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith. That's sad. Some are going to abandon. And you may know them. Don't stop praying for them. Because we don't know. We don't know who's abandoned for good. We don't. Never stop praying for them. And they're going to be following, this is where it all comes from, deceiving spirits, things taught by demons. Again, we don't, we don't see it happening. We don't know how it happens. But somehow in their education, like my friend, they got influenced to teach the wrong things. They thought this was better. And really behind that, Bible says our demons. Oh, Dave, that's Halloween-ish. That's kind of bizarre. Really? Yeah. There's a spiritual world beyond us that we don't see. We make fun of it. We mock it. And it's real. And they are trying in every one of our lives. If you're a believer, you're protected by God, but they can still affect your life, can't they? Tempting you to sin. Tempting you to be angry with your brother and sister. Little things here and there. I mean, they're lies. Even Peter, right in front of Jesus. Lord, no, no, no. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. I mean, he was right there. So it happens. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared. Finally, let's stand firm. Biblical truth is so important. This is why we have a Bible study every week. This is why we, when we come together, looking at God's word is so important. Read God's word. Put it in your heart. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. Be strong. Let me pray for us. And before we get our last one, let me pray. Ask God that he would strengthen all of us in our faith. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your servant John, who you spoke to or through to us. We don't want to be fearful of the future. We don't want to be fearful of uh, those who oppose you. We want to, Lord, have the love and grace that you have, have and displayed to those who are opposing you. We want to show love and, and grace to them. We can all think of faces and people in our lives who, some are very anti-God, some are just kind of don't care. No, no, oblivious to what is really in the future, living for the future, for the present only, living for their, their fleshly desires that are, are, are lustful and wrong. So we pray for the Lord. We pray that you would reach down into their hearts, that your word would touch their hearts. And we ask, Lord, that for all of us here in this room, that we be strengthened by your word and by prayer. We would never stop trusting you. When lies come, we would see right through it right away and say, you know what, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't jive with your word, Lord. So I pray for all of us to be discerning, to stand firm, and to, to be your witnesses in a world that's becoming increasingly anti-God, anti-Christ. Amen. I'd like you to sing this last song with the group.